0: hey good morning everybody it's great to see you Um, hey so yeah we're in this series we're calling it modern parenting right and i gotta tell you just out of the gate i love doing a family series like this at this stage in my life for a couple of reasons so one of the things you may not know about ministry and ministers you know mike said a minute ago we're all kind of jacked up just like you are right and uh, So what, here's what you can count on if you're a pastor and you're going to talk about marriage uh, in a marriage series. is either the night before or on the way to church in the car, you're going to get in a huge fight with your wife. And you're going to think, I'm the last person that should be talking about marriage, right? Or if you're talking about parenting, I guarantee you, your kids at home are going to just do something so crazy and outlandish on the Saturday before you're scheduled to get up and preach and you're going to think, I have no business getting up and talking about how to be a good parent. Or what I love about this season of my life is I'm just old enough that I don't have much fight left in me as my marriage is concerned, and most of my kids are now out of the house, so I'm sure they still do outlandish and foolish things, but they're doing that away from me, and I don 't know about it. so I feel perfectly qualified to talk about parenting, and, and that's really good, right? Probably for the first time, like ever. <laughs> In my life. So, yeah, we've said every week in this series, uh, we've we've started with a psalm. We think this psalm just reminds us what the goal of parenting, what the goal of grandparenting, what the goal of foster parenting should be. And it's this: Since my youth, O oh God, you've taught me into this day. I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O oh God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come this just reminds us that you know we can set our kids up academically we can get them into a good school or help them get a good job but if we've not pointed our kids to the sufficiency of jesus over and over and over and over again we're failing our children And uh, we've said that Jesus never talked directly about parenting. He never did. But he did lay a foundation for parenting. Really not just for parenting, for all relationships when he gave his new command. It was a command he gave in John 13, and here's what he said. I want you to love one another. And so, This is a raise-the-bar kind of command, because he said, I want you to love one another, not as you would want to be loved. I'm, this is a raise-the-bar kind of love. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's what made it a, a new command, right? And we want to be clear, this is not a command to feel something. This is a command to do something this is a this is a command about behavior now, some of you may not, know, may not be aware that uh, the Bible actually talks about three kinds of love. The New Testament does. Uh, it uses three t- different words to describe love. The first word it uses is the word eros, which is a sensual love or a love that flows out of a sexual relationship, right? Then there's phileo love, which is a brotherly love, an affectionate love. Think Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? That comes right out of the language of the New Testament. Um, but when Jesus issues this command, he doesn't use either of those forms of love. He uses the word that best represents the way that God loves. It's an unconditional love. It's a total love. It's the highest and purest form of love. I mean, this is really the love that every one of us in the room long for. It's the love that we look for, and this is called agape love. And there's a whole chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, that Jamie just read, that um, you know really elaborates on how agape love behaves every single day what it looks like now last week we said that agape love is patient this week we're going to say that agape love is kind kind now kind means useful or beneficial to someone else uh, or uh, in the o- the old testament word for kindness has more of the meaning of love in action love that actually gets expressed and i love this when we think of the word kind it's transliterated this way in the greek new testament it's transliterated krestos Um, and then if you think about the last name of jesus here's how it's transliterated Christos so you can see there's they're virtually identical and so something interesting that happened in the first century is those first century believers were were known they were known everywhere to be so kind to one another that there was confusion a confusion sprang up because the words were so similar about whether these people were followers of Christ or whether they were followers of kindness. And I think that the new church, my prayer would be that every one of us in this room, that people would be confused in the same way that people were in the first century about whether we're followers of Christ or we're followers you know, of kindness. Kindness. Right Now, a uh, couple things for, on the parenting end as it, that I want to say about kindness. First of all, not only should kindness be the method of our parenting, but it should also be the end game of our parenting. In other words, we should want to raise children. This should be at the forefront. Of our thinking every single day as we're parenting children no matter what stage of life they're in we want to raise young men and women who are passionately in love with Jesus and demonstrate that love every day through kindness to other people Uh, It's so important that we do that. And then there's this promise in Proverbs 21 about what will happen to us if kindness is the means of our parenting and what will happen for our children if kindness is the end game or the goal of our parenting. Look what it says. Whoever pursues kindness will find life and righteousness and honor. And what this tells us is that if we will parent with kindness that one day our children will grow up and they'll bestow honor on us. There'll be honor in our relationships with our children. There'll be righteousness there. There'll be life there, wholeness, shalom. All of those things will be present um, because par- kindness was the methodology of our parenting. But likewise, it's also a promise for our children. Uh, it's, it's a promise saying, look, if we will parent our children toward kindness, make that the end game, they will live lives of honor and wholeness. And every parent should want that for their children, right? A, uh, a life of wholeness, a life of honor. And so the best way to guarantee that is to parent our children toward this idea of being kind or useful or beneficial to other people and i do want to say kind of a um, uh, little i want to go on a little bit of a I, i want to talk about what kindness isn't and there's a psalm that makes this clear look what the psalmist says psalm 141 verse 5 let a righteous man strike me It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. This is just a Hebrew way of saying it's good for me. It's good for me. Uh, When someone rebukes me or challenges me or corrects me because then I grow. And so what this tells us is that kindness is not wishy-washy. Kindness is not... Kindness still tells the truth. Kindness still disciplines Right? In other words, it is a kindness when a parent disciplines their child toward instruction. That's a kindness. That's good. In other words, kindness isn't even afraid of a confrontation. Um, You know, it's willing to discipline. It's willing. In fact, it is a kindness to discipline, you know, our children right? Uh, it, it doesn't avoid a confrontation. It's not wishy-washy. Uh, all right, so, and then one last thing I, I want to say about kindness, and we learn this directly from the kindness of God. You know, I think there's a lot of us in the room, and when we think of God, we think of God kind of like this, that he kind of sits up there watching me, just waiting for me to make a mistake, so that he can send a lightning bolt from heaven and correct me, and that that's God's nature and that's God's been. And when the New Testament describes God, it doesn't describe God as being anything like that. It describes God as being kind. And what we're going to see here is that God's kindness changes everything. Like, like when, when, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Let's just read the verse. Here's what it says. At one time, this is describing your behavior, my behavior, our behavior, all of us. At one time, we too were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy. And if you've ever gotten on social media for any time at all, you see all of this on social media. Being hated and hating one another. So that was our condition. That was our state. But verse 4, but... When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. Here's what I want you to see. Kindness changes hearts and changes minds. There is nothing more powerful on this planet than kindness. Kindness changes everything um so and god is kind and the good news of the gospel is that god shares his kindness with us now i want to say something and then we're going to get real practical about what it means to parent kindly um but i do want to make a point so i'm going to say the same thing i said last week if you think that the point of today's talk is that you should work harder or try harder to be more kind in your home you are missing the point of this message. In fact, I would say that if you walk out of here thinking, yeah, you're right, pastor, I just need to work harder. I need to try really hard to be more kind. That is an exercise in failure and futility. What I'm saying is that kindness is given to us through the Holy Spirit that kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and that if I want kindness I need to grow my relationship with God and that as I grow my relationship with God I will naturally become more kind it will happen a a day at a time a little at a time every day until one day i just wake up and i go wow i you know i'm just i'm more patient with my children i'm more patient with my husband i'm kinder to my children Uh, that that is a fruit of the spirit it is not a fruit of self-discipline it is not a fruit of trying harder It's a fruit of training harder, right, with the spiritual disciplines, engaging in the spiritual disciplines. Things like worship or prayer or Bible study or memorization or community or service or generosity. That as I engage in those things, kindness bubbles up in me supernaturally as a fruit of the Holy Spirit so uh, a few weeks back I said the best gift you can give your kids is a healthy marriage and I'm going to retract that statement that's the second best gift that you can give your children and that's good news you know why because not all of you are married right and you're raising children alone so the best gift that you can give your children is your relationship with your heavenly father because it's through your relationship with your heavenly father that things like kindness and patience bubble up to the surface if this is the fruit of you trying harder or the fruit of you know you um yeah, just being more disciplined, it's an exercise in failure and futility. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to point you toward four ways that you can parent your children toward kindness and with kindness. And the first one is this. Just encourage their hearts regularly. I mean, everybody knows this, especially in 2020. But this world beats people down just with the sheer challenge of survival. And each of our children need parents who remind them every single day how much they matter to God, how much and deeply God loves them. They need parents who persistently tell them how they can't wait to watch God use them and how mightily God is going to use them one day in the future. They need parents who will instill in their children that because of the grace, and be, and, uh, the grace of Jesus, they are more and better than their worst mistake. That there's grace for that. that. That that's recoverable, right? Because the truth is, God, if you're a parent this morning, God has made you a guardian of your child's spirit. And you have to encourage their hearts. Now, I'm going to uh, speak on this second one a little more. And listen, this is the meat so dial in, you know, try try to really stay focused, but the second way you parent your children kindly and you parent them toward kindness, which I've already said should be the end game of your parenting journey, is elevate the value and importance of relationships in your home, Because when it comes to relationships, there is always some assembly required. In fact, when our kids were little, I hated the words, some assembly required, especially at Christmas. I I remember one Christmas Eve, after hours of frustrating, painstaking work, trying to get something put together, I finally looked over at my wife and I said, hey, honey, would you like some help with that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't do that. I made that up. Um, but here's why this matters: it, the, knowing that there's some assembly required in every relationship means uh, it, it points us to kindness. And here's why: um, kindness is all about relationships, right? It that's the arena of kindness and that what this tells us is that that we need to be parents every one of us in the room who parents our children toward uh we're used to thinking as parents about something called iq i would argue that the more important virtue is not iq but eq so when we think about an iq we can think about iq this way right iq um, focuses on visual processing, working memory, fluid, and quantitative reasoning. We're used to thinking about IQ as intelligence, right? Well, EQ is... Uh, relational intelligence, it's emotional intelligence. So it focuses on identifying emotions and relating to others and social interactions. And so what I'm saying to you is that my belief is that your children have a greater they have a greater propensity towards success if they have a high EQ, and that having a high EQ is far more important to God than someone's IQ. Guess what? God is not impressed with your intelligence. He's not impressed with my intelligence, but God is extremely impressed when we are useful or beneficial to someone else now we said that's the meaning of kindness right to be useful or beneficial to somebody else well I would argue that you can't be useful or beneficial to someone else if you can't read in a moment what someone else needs if, if, you're not, if you can't dial in in any given moment and recognize what someone else needs, what they're feeling, what they're dealing with, then you can't be useful or beneficial to them in that moment. And so we should parent our kids toward a, as high an EQ as we possibly can because that's what kindness is all about. Now, um, I'll also say this. I would encourage you, look, at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want, but I would encourage you to make all of the rules, by the way, first of all, you should not have very many rules in your home. The fewer rules, the better. If you're a parent and you have like a gazillion rules in your house, all that's going to do is make your kids be the type of people that can't wait to get out from under that so you should have as fewer rules as possible and I would argue that all of your rules should revolve around relationships let me give you some examples so this is a rule I think every household should have whether every Christian household every non-Christian household should have this rule the rule is this don't lie don't, never tell a lie always tell the truth why Why? Listen, because lying damages relationships. Lying undermines trust, right? Lying keeps people from trusting one another and you can't have a relationship with somebody if they can't trust you. So always tell the truth. Never tell a lie. That should be a rule in every household and it's a relational rule. I think that in every house where it's a two-parent household, this should be a rule. Honor your mom. Honor your mom. Never say or do anything to dishonor your mom. Right? You see how that's a relational rule. You should have as few rules as possible, and all of your rules should point to the fact that relationships matter most, that things don't matter, that at the end of the day, success doesn't matter if people don't know how to be successful in their relationships. Relationships are the stuff of life, there is nothing else. Relationships matter most and how do we know that well i'll tell you how we know the gospel tells us that it tells us that jesus left heaven for a relationship with you when you weren't even interested in one see and here's why relational intelligence is so important i'm going to tell you kind of a heavy theological truth are you ready everybody's weird Everybody is weird. Now, here's what I mean when I say that. I'm saying that people are never easy to assemble, relationships are never easy to assemble. Relationships take work. They break down. We say and do hurtful things to one another. We traffic in things like sarcasm and a lack of civility. People are messy. They have flaws and shortcomings, junk in their trunk. As Mike said, they're jacked up right? They're messed up. And they bring, and all of us who are all of those things, bring all of that into our relationships. We are, every one of us in this room, corrupted and damaged by sin. So, this is so important. If if all of that is true, one of the most important things that a parent can do to parent their children relationally is to teach them and model for them what it looks like to apologize. Now listen, and and even the the means here, like, like this is such a weak apology. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you right? That is not an apology. I think if you're going to train and teach your kids how to apologize, I think a much stronger apology is this. Will you forgive me for blank? They have to identify what they said or what they did or what they did wrong. Will you forgive me for and if you are married Your children should regularly hear you apologize to your wife or your husband. If your children aren't hearing you regularly apologizing to your wife or to your husband, you are not setting them up for success in their relationships. You're just not. And Your children, I'm even going to take this a step further, your children should hear you, like if you're a dad or a mom, they they should hear you apologize to them. Hey, you know what, when daddy said, you know, that you were whatever, I was wrong to say that, I'm so sorry, will you forgive me for that? I should have never said that. See When our children see us apologize to one another and they hear us... uh, Because there's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? All of us as parents, there are times when we should have to apologize to our children. And so in doing that, we're training them to be willing and ready to offer an apology when they let us down, and when they let one another down, and when they let their future mate or spouse down. Listen, no relationship can survive without an apology. No relationship can thrive without forgiveness. And one of the biggest lessons that we can teach our children is how to both forgive and how to be forgiven. Apologies should be uh, highly, highly valued, and every parent should um, force children at gunpoint, if they have to, to apologize. I'm kidding about the gunpoint thing, mostly. Okay, so, um, all right, so that's one. That's the last of that. Now, here's what I'm going to do with uh, the rest of our time. Uh, that matters, and that's this. I want to, in a minute, I'm going to show you a video, but point three, uh, it's so important. So four ways, right? I'm going to, I'm rambling. Four ways to parent your child with kindness. Number one, you encourage their heart. Number two, uh, you elevate relationships. Number three, focus their strengths. Focus their strengths. Focus their strengths. And so here's what this is how this is going to look. When we talk about shaping the strengths of our children, um, there's a fantastic TED Talk on this. And um, he says it way better than I could. And so we're going to show you about the first four minutes of Josh Shipp uh, giving a TED Talk on um, how to shape your your, uh, children's strengths. And then after that's over, my wife Jackie is going to come up and um, she's going to kind of share the stage with me and kind of round out the rest of the day um, on uh, parenting, and I'll tell you a little bit more about her after that. So so let's just give a listen to what Josh says, and then Jackie and I will come up and help us unpack that. Check out your screen.
1: An exasperated father asked his son's high school principal what career his son should consider in the future. Now, his son was described by many of his teachers as lazy, distracted, and that he couldn't remember anything. (laughs) So, the principal replied to the father, and he said, it doesn't matter what he does, he will never amount to anything. That father's name was Herman, and that student who wouldn't amount to anything, that was his son, Albert. <laughs> Einstein. Now, before you and I start thinking poorly of that principle from 1895, we have to admit something. We've all been that principle. We unintentionally overlook a kid's raw and unrefined talent. Because that very talent tends to first bubble to the surface as an annoyance. (laughs) And as a dad, I'm guilty of this myself 100%. My son will be like, hey, dad, do you want to play Legos? And I'm like, yeah, just a minute. And then he goes and sets a 60-second timer and like stands there staring at me the entire time. I'm glad you find his persistence amusing. I find it annoying. But here's my question. What if a kid's most annoying trait is actually their biggest talent in disguise? Meaning, what if a kid's greatest asset first presents itself as a giant pain in your asset? And if that is true, how do we not make the same mistake as Einstein's principle, and unintentionally overlook genius, simply because it first says, hello, as an annoyance? Well, over the last 40 years, the Gallup Research Organization has conducted more than two million interviews with successful people. And an interesting commonality emerged amongst these interviews. They found that successful people identify and refine their talents so that their talents become their strengths. Now, good for those people. But the question is, then how does a kid move from annoying trait to talent, to strength, to success? Well, I'm going to argue it's because that kid has at least one caring adult in their life who does the following who redirects the annoyance and cultivates the talent. Lonnie's mother was excellent at this. Lonnie was meddlesome and mischievous, always getting into things. As a kid, he almost burned down his family's home because he attempted to cook rocket fuel on the stove, (laughs) as you do. Lonnie's mother, bless her, she didn't lose her cool, as you might think. She had the patience or the wherewithal or the blood alcohol level <laughs> to see past this. Notice that her son had a scientific curiosity. She redirected him, said, hey, it's good, let's get you a hot plate. will not you take this outside somewhere more safe? Lonnie Johnson holds more than 80 patents and is the inventor of the national treasure, the super soaker. Which is, amazingly, approaching one billion dollars in sales. And with Lonnie's cut of those proceeds, he founded his own research firm, which works on inventions related to clean energy.
0: Hey, so I want to introduce uh, all of you to my wife, Jackie, who I've uh, has been a partner in parenting with me for 28 years now, right? And. Uh, I need to say this. Uh, So, I've learned more. So, I've certainly learned more from Jackie about parenting than she's learned from me. She is better read than I am. She has invested more energy and focus in it than I have. Um, And so, I've learned a ton from her about parenting. And so, for the next couple of weeks, you're going to be privileged to hear. Uh, From her as well folks who know Jackie uh, were mad at me that I didn't put her up until week three this week Uh, And you know that they think I should have had her up week one But would you guys show my wife some love for yeah being willing to be here?
2: Thank you. Thank you Well first let me comment on that video. Oh my goodness. That video is so true and as I look back on 28 years of parenting hindsight for those of you who have older kids, is worth a million bucks. I almost wish I could give every parent a crystal ball so you can see those character traits later in life, but the problem with that is then we wouldn't rely so much on God to walk through this journey um, of parenting because the truth is God wants me and you to stay dependent on him for our parenting. So, but it's true, you can't show kindness to your child without understanding them. And as the video said, their greatest annoyance is often their greatest strength. And Brad said to me yesterday as we were talking, what would you like to share? And I said, well, one big thing for me is that parenting one child does not give you a diploma in parenting Another child and he said well, that's that's good. You should share that How many parents in here of multiple children? Marvel at the differences in your kids. I mean I see hands going up. That's where the beauty of um, Understanding comes in so you know back in the spring when we were all quarantining We actually quarantined with our children and it was a wonderful time together But one of the things we did that was great fun and very insightful is we all went online and we took the Enneagram assessment and, um, you know, learned about how we're all different. And surprisingly, we all got different numbers. We're all different personalities. And although we firmly believe that God makes us all unique, certain patterns were emerging. And, you know, then you have the conversation of that's why you are the way you are. Not saying accusingly at all, but yeah, really. So we have three children. Aaron is 28. You may have heard him about a month ago share about his year and what the Lord is doing in his life. He's in Shreveport. Connor is 24 and married to our beautiful, lovely, wonderful daughter-in-law. And, of course, Jamie is 20, and she read the Scripture this morning. And they are all as different as night and day. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, and I have his permission, but when, I had, when we had Aaron and then I found out I was pregnant with another boy, I sat and cried because I said, I can't do this again. And I was worn out. But then when our second child was born, Connor, all of a sudden I was like, oh, my goodness, this is not the difference between boys and girls. This is just you. And so Connor was easygoing, a lap baby. He he wanted to sit in my lap for hours. You could take any adjective to describe one and flip it, and you would have the other. Responsible, irresponsible, not a people person, people person, just on and on and on. And I quickly learned, well, guess what? They're not blank little slates for me to write on. They have their own personalities. So I actually had the verse up on our refrigerator for a season. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Because I have to be honest with you and tell you that many times with our oldest especially with our oldest. I did not discipline out of understanding him. This is where the EQ and the IQ came in, because the IQ would have said, he's a handful, and he was. The IQ would have said, okay, well, we did have a house fire. He said it. We had, we had um, butter knives in outlets. He did that. Every day was a Mythbusters episode. Remember the show Mythbusters? That was him. And this was a kid who genuinely was not motivated by people approval. So when you have a kid that just knows their own head, it's a challenge. So he only responded. He never responded to suggestions. It was blunt, authoritative directions. But now with hindsight, I see the scientific mind at work. He was doing daily experiments. I remember one time when Brad was looking for his flip-flops and Aaron just calmly says, well, they're on the roof of the house. I said, okay, buddy, we've been talking about being smart and making smart decisions. Didn't your little smart brain tell you not to throw daddy's flip-flops on the roof and he said, well, it did, but it's just going to have to learn to speak a little louder. (laughs) And then there was Connor who was the party animal, liked to talk nonstop, always wanted to be around people, Um, and as whereas Aaron was super observant of details. Connor never shut a door behind him, never closed a drawer, never threw his trash away. In fact, we've often said that Connor's guardian angel worked overtime because of the things he did. Not a joke. Another house fire. You know, we're kind of prone to house fires. Yeah, we are. Um, in the kitchen, we had a, a toaster oven kind of blow. I had a fire extinguisher. I was putting out the fire. Connor walks in the room, and he says, Mom, if Peyton Manning and Tom Brady got in a fist fight, who do you think would win? And I replied, Do you see the flames? (laughs) And then on another time, he wanted to know why we were headed to the church, and I said to see your dad, and he said, Why is dad at the church? Well, he works at the church. Dad works at the church? (laughs) So this this was Connor. To this day, well, not so much lately. But when he was in college, he would call and he would say, "Mom, I'm gonna tell you something, but I know it's gonna trigger you." And I'd be like, "Oh no, what? I left my car running all night long, and the the gas tank— during, I mean, just stuff like that all the time." But he, I was on him a lot for his disorganization, and you know, just wanting him to be more um, organized and I lacked patience with that a lot of times. And then, of course, Jamie came, and she was more different than both of them. She was sweet, kind, caring, loving, and is to this day. But she was very fixated on the medical things, even as a young child. And I'll never forget, when Jamie was little bitty, we were upstairs, and I said, oh, I have a headache, and I never have headaches. And Jamie said, hmm, Do you have a bad taste in your mouth? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And she said, does it taste like metal? Um, no. Well, good, because you're probably not leaking cerebrospinal fluid. So, but parenting in kindness means that we learned each of them, not based on how others thought we should parent, but based on what the Lord showed me about them. So that if that meant that I had to read cum about cumulus clouds and cumulonimbus clouds instead of reading about Goldilocks and the three bears, so be it. And it didn't really mean enabling because my job as a parent was to really work myself out of a job. It it was Helping them be committed to growth. And I say to my kids to this day, be better today than you were yesterday. Because I'm in my late 50s, and I can tell you that I'm very different now than I was even five years ago. And part of it is from parenting older children and letting them make their own choices and their own decisions. And, you know... Sometimes they really surprise you, even though you see that bent early on, the weatherman, the, the medical person. That, that kid who couldn't shut a door behind him, who never ate anything but cereal, is now the kid that's handling it, people's million-dollar investments and wants to eat a different thing every time we eat out because he wants the new experience of a different food. So I'm blown away. I'm so surprised. I have to tell you, though, that God has been so kind to me as a parent in my failures and where I mess up. He's so gracious and loving, and I would ask that for all of us with each other, to be kind to each other as parents, because guess what? If they really are unique and different You are not going to parent like I am. Your parenting is going to look very different than mine. And we don't need to sit in judgment. You know, people have not always been the kindest to us in our parenting, and that's hard. That's hard to walk through. I think one of the biggest benefits of growing older is perspective. You know, the house, when we bought our house, it was a small ranch. We loved our yard, so we've actually added on twice. All this remodeling we've done through the years, guess what? Fifteen years later, it needs updated. How many cars would you say we've had, honey?
0: Yeah, quite a few. And the house that we added on to twice because it was too small now seems too big true. now that all the kids are. That's were. true.
2: But the truth is all of our material possessions grow old and they break. Well, let's be honest. We grow old and we break, Right. <laughs> But what remains is relationships. My relationships with my husband and my children are of prime importance. And I will tell you that I have great relationships with all three of them. And I know this because I called them each one yesterday and asked them Would you say we have a good relationship? And here's Aaron Oh, mother, what are you doing? So, anyway, um, they're different relationships but they're beautiful. Now, are they perfect? No. Am I a perfect parent? No. Ask any of them. They will tell you. Um, And a lot of people would say, well, I, I I don't have that. But I'm here to say don't be discouraged because God wants us to stay dependent on him and rely on him, and he could turn that relationship around tomorrow. Because here's the truth of it. There will be times in each of our lives when no one but the Lord can fully understand the pain in your heart. No one can. But he never wastes pain. He uses it to his glory and his goal and his good. And I can tell you about some pain that we've had in our parenting. I'll save that till next week. But my parenting is never going to look picture perfect like on a Christmas card, and neither is yours. But that's okay. It's going to be full of messiness and grief and mistakes, but joy. Because the truth of it is, God is right there in the center of every challenge, every challenge I've had, every change. And when I cry out to the Lord for lack of wisdom, he shows up. He gives it to me. And this is my prayer for me as in my prayer for you. God, make up the difference. Make up the difference between where I lack as a mom and where you are as the perfect parent. I'll stop right there.
0: Yeah, I think one of the beautiful things about being a parent is that you do, you recognize, you know what? I need to be dependent on God. I don't have this figured out, right? I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And so the thing I think that's most productive about parenting is it's meant to push us to God's feet it's meant to draw us to him it's meant to remind us that we're not in control but that he is and that he's got this and he's got them and he's got us um, and so that's the thing I love about parenting. So listen, um, Jackie will speak uh, again next week as well, just uh, a little bit and share her perspective. Would you guys just let her know how grateful you are for her? Um. So as Brandon's coming up, he's going to walk us through uh, how we're going to respond to God together today. Um, I do want to say one more thing, that kindness in parenting uh, points to, uh, points your kids to Jesus every day it points us away from uh, our sufficiencies our adequacies uh, and into the adequacy of Jesus and that the best thing you can do for your children every single day is to point them to the sufficiency of Christ to remind them of their need for him uh, to remind them of your need for him You know, and this, you don't have to do this perfectly or have all the answers figured out, but uh, this is so easy to do to just magnify Christ in your home. Uh, So the best thing you can do for them. So let me pray that for you. And then Brandon's going to walk us through how we're going to respond. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Um, We uh, are grateful that you traffic in relationships and that we love because you first loved us. So God, make us kind. Make kindness the end game, the goal of our parenting. Make kindness the means. And Lord Jesus, we're grateful together today that you give us the kindness that we need along the way as we press into you. It doesn't come through effort. It doesn't come through self-discipline. It comes from you. It's the fruit of of the Holy Spirit so help us find that in you every day we ask and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus amen